0: The Lord be with you. With Let us pray. Father, thank you for this time we have to look into the sacraments. And we ask that you would bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, we are on the bottom of page six, the section on the sacraments. So let's, uh, we'll, we'll do that like we always do. Um, I'll read the question and then we'll all read the answers together. Page six. How many sacraments has Christ authorized in his church? Two only baptism and the Lord's Supper that are generally necessary to salvation. What do you mean when you speak of a sacrament? I mean an outward and visible sign authorized by Christ of an inward and spiritual grace given unto us, a way and means whereby we both receive the spiritual grace and are also given a pledge to assure us of the receiving. How many parts are there to a sacrament? Two, the outward and visible sign, and the inward and spiritual grace. What is the outward and visible sign in baptism? Water, in which the person is baptized in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. What is the inward and spiritual grace? It is being born again of the Holy Spirit and made a child of God by adoption and grace. That is, it is a dying to sin and a new birth into righteousness. What is required of persons to be baptized? Two things, repentance, which is a turning away from sin, and faith, which is steadfastly believing the promise of God concerning Jesus Christ, proclaimed in the gospel and the sacraments. Why are infants baptized when it is clear that they cannot consciously engage in in repentance and faith? They are baptized on the basis of the promises made on their behalf by their godparents and in anticipation of their sure acceptance of these same promises when they reach maturity. Why was the sacrament of the Lord's Supper ordained by Christ? For the continual remembering of the sacrifice of the death of Christ... And of the benefits we receive from this sacrifice. What is the outward and visible part of the Lord's Supper? Bread and wine, which the Lord commanded to be received. What is the inward and spiritual part, that which is signified by the outward? The body and blood of Christ, which are really and truly received by the faithful in the Lord's Supper. What are the benefits received by the faithful partaking? the strengthening and refreshing of our souls by the body and blood of Christ, even as our bodies are strengthened and refreshed by the bread and wine. What is required of those who come to the Lord's Supper? They are to examine themselves to be sure that they repent of their sins, are steadfastly intending to lead a new life, have a living faith in God's mercy through Christ, thankfully remember his death, And are in loving and charitable to everyone. Are there other sacraments? Other rites and institutions commonly called sacraments include confirmation, absolution, ordination, marriage, and the anointing of the sick. These are sometimes called the sacraments of the church. How do these differ from the sacraments of the gospel? They are not commanded by Christ as necessary for salvation. But arise from the practice of the apostles and the early church, or are states of life blessed by God from creation. God clearly uses them as means of grace. Okay, so we began this section last week, and we're going to um, get into it more this week. Again, um, those last two questions are from the ACNA's Expanded Catechism um, not in our um, traditional catechism. And there's a couple of ways that, that things are phrased slightly differently in the, uh, in the catechism itself, and we'll talk about that later. Um, it's, it is interesting, this second half, um, or rather this entire part, rather, of the sacraments are in a different place in the um, offices of instruction in the prayer book, than they are in the catechism itself. So our catechism in our prayer book appears in two places. So right before the confirmation service in the prayer book, we have the offices of instruction. So they, they arrange the catechism along with some other things, um, catechetical things, into kind of a service of you know, quizzing the confirmands and there's places for hymns and all sorts of other stuff there. And this book is very much modeled on um, those offices of instruction. But, um, for whatever reason, after the Lord's Supper, I'm sorry, after the Lord's Prayer section, they put a bunch of other stuff in our, in the 1928 prayer book, um, when Dr. Toon put this together, put the catechism we're using together, um, of kind of in, in the more modern language, he restored that to where it belongs in the catechism itself. And so the catechism proper in your prayer book is going to be found at the very end of the book, right before the family prayer section. So um, that's, a, if anybody asks you that on Jeopardy, now you know, I guess. Um, so, <laughs> okay, so we begin with how many sacraments has Christ authorized in his church? And the answer is two only baptism and the Lord's Supper that are generally necessary to salvation. Okay, notice that there is that qualifier there um, of that Christ authorized in his church. So these are the sacraments that Christ himself commanded. Um, This this was a major um, sticking point at the time of the Reformation. We talked about this a little bit last week, how um, the uh, medieval church had... um, rather bloated some of the other sacramental uh, rites in terms of their importance and um, effectively downplayed in some ways um, the sacraments ordained by Christ. And so the reformers were wanting to get back to what specifically has Jesus ordained, um, but they all retained in some fashion um, those other five um, Sacraments with a small s, if you want to call them that, um, they just didn't put them under the category of sacrament. Uh, so that that's something that is something to remember. And we're talking whether whether we're looking at at, at Luther, the Reformed. Um, regardless of what stripe of the reform, the Anglican Church, everybody did include those other rites. They just were not calling them sacraments. And the big issue there was that they were not specifically or, um, ordained by Christ. They were not instituted by Jesus, although they, everybody recognized that they were things that arose in the life of the church. And we do see biblical precedent for all those other things. Um, so what you end up having is once it comes to the 19th century, your, your Anglo-Catholics start to argue for that, that number of seven instead of the two. Um, there's this idea that, well, that's the Catholic understanding, um, but really that's the Roman Catholic understanding. <laughs> um, the East never numbered them that way. Um, it was never, the, the, the undivided church never numbered the sacraments. Um, in, in, the, in the Eastern church, it was always something rather fluid, um, and they preferred the term, the term mystery. Um, so, what do we mean when we talk about um, when we talk about generally necessary to salvation? So, what, what do you what do y'all um, after your time being you know being in the prayer book, being being worshiping with the church? And some of y- I know for some of y'all that hasn't been very long, but um, when we talk about um, generally necessary to salvation to salvation. What, what what do you what do you think we're talking about when it comes to baptism and the Lord's Supper? Cecily. Not, like, I'm like, you don't that um so so yeah, I mean there's there is this understanding that we we don't look at them yeah superstitiously um you know the, the the answer there being you're you're not gonna go to hell if you if you haven't been baptized or had the Lord's Supper. Um and I would give a qualified yes to that, and we'll we'll, we'll see how that gets qualified in in, in a bit. We'll see how that gets qualified. Anybody, anybody, anybody else want to take a stab at 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 what that idea of generally necessary means? yeah and and that's that and that's that's that is more the sense of generally used here that it is it is uh generally more in the sense of universally rather than this is the kind of the normal way things work um so it, and and we and we do need to qualify this a bit um, and some of this has to do with um, you know here here in America, especially this part of america the the typical form of Christianity is going to be generally Baptistic right and um, a Baptistic approach to to the sacraments um, generally sees them as something that we do because God told us to do it right? it's it's us fulfilling a command of God or us putting our money where our mouth is sort of thing that's not the way the reformers looked at it that's certainly not the way the, the ancient church looked at it Um, That's something that really becomes new with um, the Anabaptists at the time of the Reformation. Um, Now, some of the stuff going on in the Anabaptists, the Anabaptists is a catch-all for a lot of things going on. There was some downright heretical things going on in those early Anabaptist world. Um, Your Mennonites today are Anabaptists. But they don't really look anything like your Southern Baptists, right? I mean, <laughs> um, What they share is that understanding of believers' baptism, but that concept really was um, that credo-baptism concept really was brand new in the 15th century. Nobody really looked at that. Um, we know for sure from the second century onward. Um, things are very fuzzy in the first century. Um, We we can make arguments from silence in the first century, but we can't make anything anything, um, general. So, um, all all those caveats and addenda. Um, So, so the understanding there is, if you are a Christian, you will get baptized. um, One way or the other. Um, Christians do not not get baptized. That's, That's the understanding of the fathers, the reformers, and everybody. Um, to delay baptism is to delay entering into visible faith. And, and there, there is this, this understanding that these are, um, you know, as sacraments there is something spiritual and mystical going on. And we'll talk about that in a bit. But in terms of um, the other part of sacraments is they are a visible thing. And so they're related very much to the visible church. Um, one that is not baptized is not a Christian. Because, because to enter into the religion of Christianity, into the practice of the Christian faith, requires baptism. Now that doesn't mean that there's not some people that have faith in Christ that have not been baptized, especially when we have the um, a lot of the confusion we have today. Um, you know, there, there's... I, and and you, you find a lot of churches today that downplay um, baptism in the Lord's Supper because they really don't understand it beyond um, really, really almost a caricature of what we see in, 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 um, in things like our catechism. Uh, and, and the thing we need to understand when it comes to the baptism in the Lord's Supper is that this is not so much something that we are doing in obedience to the Lord as much as something that the Lord has given us to show his faithfulness, if that makes sense. You know, this is something that he is doing for us, not something that we're doing um, to be a public witness. Although there is public witness aspects to it, but that's not the main point. So, uh, yeah, generally necessary to salvation in this sense does mean that the, these are the universal things of um, of Christians. This is what Christians do, um, and they're they're... Our our salvation is tied up with the things that these signify, and we'll and we'll we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, that said, if um, you know if if I I, I don't think anybody today, in any any, that's theologically savvy anyway today, uh, biblically savvy, would argue that um, someone who um, you know, came to faith but had not yet been baptized, and then they got hit by a bus, was was going to go to hell. Nobody would argue that, right? Or someone um, died before they had a chance to partake of the Lord's Supper the first time they're going to go to hell. Nobody's saying that. Um, and, and even in the ancient church, they understood, um, they kind of looked at baptism in a few different ways. They said, okay, we have that literal baptism in water, which is the baptism that is normal for everybody. But there's also this idea of kind of a baptism of blood, someone that is killed for the faith, um, maybe before they've had a chance to enter the church. Um, Or or someone that has a baptism of intent. They're they're ready to get baptized. They just haven't, it just hadn't happened yet. And then stuff happened and they died. (laughs) So that's the guy getting hit by the bus or that's the, that's the um, like Saint, um, I think it was Saint Albin, who was a a Roman soldier that took the place of a priest that was going to get executed when he saw the priest's faith. Um, You know, he never got baptized, but he's considered a saint. I believe that's St. Alban. I could be wrong on that. Okay, so that's the generally necessary part. Um, Yeah, this is... um, But but again, yeah, these are things that the Lord has done for us that, that are not primarily what we do for the Lord. Um, any, any any questions before we move on to the next thing on that? Because I know that that's odd in a lot of our American Christian culture. That's not normal for, for a lot of American Christians. Okay. Um, okay, so what do you mean... And then we'll get into the details on these two as we get into them. What do you mean when you speak of a sacrament... I mean an outward invisible sign authorized by Christ. So there's where the reformers give, get their, um, their, their specific, narrowing it down to two. An outward invisible sign authorized by Christ of an inward and spiritual grace given to us, a way and means whereby we both receive that spiritual grace and are also given a pledge to assure us of this receiving. So let's unpack that. First of all, it needs to have an outward invisible sign. There needs to be something tangible to a sacrament, if it's going to be a sacrament. Um, Which is where some of those other five get fuzzy, because they don't really have an outward invisible sign, some of them. But, um, so we need an outward invisible sign. Um, The reformers included authorized by Christ, so that's why we're narrowing it down, of an inward and spiritual grace given to us. Who's giving us that grace? God is. That's right. This is something coming from God, and so the sacrament is that outward, visible sign of that inward and spiritual grace given by God. But the sacrament is, is so it's a, it's a way and means that He gives us this grace, but it's also something that assures us of this grace. So. Um, the the uh, the outward invisible sign in baptism is water. We talked we looked at that. The inward visible grace is that being born again, and all that other stuff. And we'll get into that. And so, there is something that happens in baptism when it is done the way it's supposed to be done, whereby God does give us in some way that grace, and it's also the 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 pledge, his his seal. His guarantee that he has given us that grace. So how do I know I'm a Christian? Because I've been baptized. How do I know I've been born again? Because I've been baptized. Pastorally, that is huge. And, and, and I, can see, I can see there being some difficulties here with some folks. Um, and we'll get that. But pastorally, this is huge. Because how often have, have, have you as a Christian wrestled with, wait a minute, am I really saved? And the answer that the church has always given is, well, are you baptized? Okay, then, then the fact that you're asking that and you've been baptized means you've been saved. Now, that said, we all know that there's a lot of folks who have gone through baptism and show zero signs of regeneration, right? I mean, that's something we, we, we've all seen that. Every, every age has seen that. Nobody's ever pretended that was not the case. So what do we do with that? Well, well, the, so here's, here's what, what happens if you take that Baptistic point of view, is the answer to that is you need to get saved and get baptized again. Okay, what happens next time you have a crisis of faith? Well, I guess you need to get saved and get baptized again. And so, I, I, you know, I spent some time in a Baptist church when I was in, in junior high, in, in early high school, and every time... The local evangelist came by, or someone was doing a revival. Half the youth group and twenty of the deacons got rebaptized and got saved all over again. I mean, that, that, every Baptist church goes through that. What does what does our catechism, um, the reformers, the undivided church say to someone who has been baptized and is showing no signs of regeneration? Yeah, what do we tell them? We tell them to repent. Them to repent. <laughs> that's right. And, 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 that, and the reason why that's such a comfort pastorally is because, um, the reason why that's such a comfort pastorally is you don't get into this cycle of, of wondering if you've really been saved. Did it really take? Maybe I wasn't sincere. I'm looking into me all the time. But we look to something objective, which is the promises of God's word, conveyed in the sign of baptism, and we and we and we see if, okay if those promises are 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 real. If God if God really promised them, then my response to that is repentance. And 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 the other thing that does is it makes us really confront sin. If 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 you know, and, and we we we'd see this in youth group all the time in those in those more Baptistic circles. Um, Some youth would get into trouble. The teenager would get into trouble. He'd be doing stuff he wasn't supposed to do. Okay, what's the answer? He gets saved all over again. And we can totally sweep everything that happened under the rug because, oh, now he's a new person. Okay, if the answer is repent, then it's okay. Let's deal with that issue as part of the repentance. You know, Then we have actual proper church discipline, proper training, because what's going to happen to that kid next time he, he falls into temptation? Yeah, it's gonna ha- same thing's gonna happen again. You end up on this terrible cycle, and, and there's no and there's no um, way to 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 really get off the cycle. And and granted, that is not the way any good Baptist pastor would want things to be done either. I mean, that's 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 not that's kind of a logical consequence of the theology, but it's not a feature of Baptist theology. It's kind of a bug of Baptist theology. Um, so yeah, I mean, but 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 yeah, that's that is that is a big difference. Is that's what we tell someone who who has been baptized and is not living like a Christian. We tell them to repent, and we do that every single service. Whether you're living like a Christian or not, if you're if you're in church, you're being told to repent, Father.
1: It's interesting, you know, Father, how every Sunday
0: we have at least two altar calls. <laughs> that's true. <laughs>
1: Your point, all the more reason why we need the sacraments.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: why we, we, we acknowledge that, that these sacraments are signs and seals of the new covenant. And, and I think coming to that realization that there's not anything good within ourselves because in our thoughts, words, actions, and attitudes we fall short all the time. Right. Doing a sermon for yeah, as as, as as
0: I can tell, that's great.
1: In my head there, so, um, and, you know, the, the problem with, uh, you know, having been a Baptist previously is that too much emphasis was placed on making a decision.
0: Right, right. Okay,
1: uh, making a decision usually based on an emotional appeal, appeal, because I think I came to Christ after the 30-second stanza, just as I am an <laughs> Right. <laughs> that's about how that I'm going to
0: by the way Well, and that was the other joke in, in youth group in those days, is okay, you know, they're gonna be playing just as I am until somebody goes down there gets saved. Whose turn is it this week? You know, I mean I mean that's that's and that's so terrible and cynical, but I mean that's that's the way those things now the other side of the coin is though what we do see in the Middle Ages where um they turn the sacraments from being gifts from God and pledges from God and they turn it back into something that we do where it, it it turns into this um you know get your brownie points by participating in the sacraments and that's that's also that's also um not the way things are which is why we needed a reformation in the first place was because of that so um yeah we 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 do want to um we do want to um not not do either one of those things. This is probably going to be a slow going section, y'all. So, um, uh, my my advanced apologies. Um, okay. Questions on question one and two. We've only got about five minutes, um, and then we'll, we'll we'll get into the, the two parts in um, in a bit. Yes. So, yeah, so, so delaying, yeah, delaying baptism is delaying entry into the church in, in certainly in a visible fashion. Um, and it is in some ways by extension of that delaying entering into full fellowship with the Lord. Um, okay, that's, we have, we have to understand, okay, so why, why did, why did Jesus wait to get baptized? Um, his baptism is not Christian baptism. His baptism um, was was a was a different baptism, but it is what institutes Christian baptism. If that makes sense. And so, um, yeah, Jesus baptism is is a different animal altogether. Even though our baptism does have um, echoes in in his baptism, and so we can talk about that more next week. There's no way we're going to get into that in the last three minutes of class. Um, so. Yeah, let's we we can we can talk about that next week definitely when we get into into baptism. Um, but yeah, the, the the big thing is 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 do not yeah don't don't delay baptism. It's it's a bad thing to do, and um, yeah, I mean that that, that it, it really is it really is. There can be no church membership without without baptism, and churches that don't have membership don't really do baptisms, don't really do the Lord's Supper. Um, in what way are they really churches? Because the church uh, the, the, the visible church is where the Word of God is rightly preached and the sacraments are duly administered. okay We're taking off half of that to begin with. And if we're not encouraging people to actually join the visible church you know and be baptized and all that other stuff, are we really preaching the Word of God? And, and you certainly can't exercise any sort of church discipline, um, which is which is some of the some of the um, reformers would add that as another mark. But yeah, I mean, it 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 yeah. I mean, it, it really doesn't fit with the definition of the church that the church really had until like last week. So. Okay, um, one minute. One minute. Anybody? Any else? One minute. If you, if we, we can try and talk, not tackling in one minute. if you have something, Pam? No, I just, I, I just heard
1: you say that you know that baptism is being born again in the church. I thought
0: I heard you say. that. Um, we'll unpack that more next week. Okay. Yeah, we'll we'll unpack we'll unpack the um, yeah how how baptism, um and in being born again are tied together next week. Okay, and that, and that is, as the, the catechism does call that, the inward and spiritual grace of baptism is, is, is that rebirth, that regeneration. But we'll, yeah, we'll unpack that more next week. Okay, well, I believe we're doing evening prayer tonight, so I will see you all in evening prayer. God bless.